Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Word sozo, and it means to forgive, to heal, and to deliver. So we're forgiven of our sin, we're he- uh, we are uh, delivered of our torment, and we are healed in our body, right? Okay, that's the word sozo. Okay, well, righteousness, peace, and joy. So righteousness solves the sin problem, right? Peace solves the torment problem, right? And joy, and you say, well, how does joy solve the healing problem? Well, the Bible says in Proverbs that a merry heart is like a medicine. Yeah. Laughter is like a medicine. So, and, and Nehemiah even told uh, the people in his day, he says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And if you look up that word strength, it's much more than just being strong. It's being alive and fit and well. And so what we understand is that even in the kingdom of God, the very foundation of the kingdom of God speaks to this dynamic of healing and salvation all being within the confines of redemption. So does that make sense? Uh, Then uh, we went on and uh, we talked about last week that one of the most important factors in this healing process is faith. And so we asked the question, how do we get healed? And the answer is very simple. We get healed the way we got saved, by grace through faith. We are saved. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that we are saved by grace through faith, for it is the gift of God. Not of ourselves because it's the gift of God. Uh, Salvation then is a matter of faith, so is healing a matter of faith. Can you say amen? Jesus frequently told people that it was their faith that brought them the healing that they were experienced, experienced the deliverance and the forgiveness they needed, and it was the power of God, that faith brought or tapped into the power of God that affected the cure. And that faith was engaged, or I'm sorry, that power was engaged by faith. Just as faith enabled many to receive healing, it is also true that healing from time to time was hindered by a lack of faith. Now, the problem with that is, is that for a lot of people, we have a lot of Christians is, how many know that we like the path of least resistance? And so when, we, when we're trying to come up with an answer, we try to come up with an answer that seems the most plausible, but oftentimes those are the most destructive. Okay, and so what happens is we go to people, well-meaning people, and we look at them, and it could be that they are lacking faith. But rather than judging their faith, maybe we should look at our own faith in the equation. And, you know, uh, the pastors that are on staff here, we've often talked about this, that, that what we want to do is we want to make sure that we are believing God, that we are walking in faith, because we, we understand that our faith has a lot to do with it as well. And we know that to be true because Jesus, when he confronted the man with the boy that couldn't get healed by the disciples, he didn't look at them. He didn't look at the man and the little boy and go, where's your faith? He looked at the disciples because the disciples came and said, why couldn't we get this done? And he goes, because of your lack of faith, because of your unbelief. And he said, you guys aren't, aren't believing correctly yet. You haven't got this down. And so if, if we're going to look at something, let's not, if, let's not cast the blame on the person we're praying for. Let's bear that up ourselves. Amen. And let's just say, you know what, God, 
I, I need to be able to walk this out. I need to walk in faith. So I need to do whatever it is I need to do. I need to develop my faith so that I can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Can you say amen to that? So where does this, how, you know, we talked about developing faith, and, and so where does this faith develop from? Where does it come from? Well, Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes, faith grows, faith matures uh, in us and through us as we receive the word of God. There, there is no other way. That's, that's the way it is. It's through the word of God. Faith is a gift that comes through the word of God. Can you say Amen. Now, we also understand that Jesus is the Word. So it's, it, it, it suffice to say that it is He that is giving it to us. And so there are probably times when we need to ask Him, to, we need to say to Him, energize my faith. Help me to grow in this. Help me, because the disciples came and said, give us more faith. It's not more faith that we need. It's we need to walk in or develop the faith that's already been given. And so sometimes we need the Lord's help in that. Can you say amen to that? We need Him to help us uh, 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 build that. And so through an intimate, consistent relationship with the Father in heaven, faith is developed. Now tonight, what I want to do is I want to move on and I want to look at the power and authority for healing. And I will again say as we get started, this also can be a controversial subject because just like the issues of God's will and faith, there are often many unanswered questions. I don't know if we are ever going to be able to answer all the questions. I don't know that we will ever have 100% concrete uh, satisfaction in all our questions. There are going to be things that remain a mystery, and that's where we're going to have to just simply trust God and believe His Word. Can you say amen? Oftentimes, that when these unanswered questions come, what we do is we try to fill in the blanks with our own accommodating theology. And please, let me, let me caution you to not come up with what I call is an extra-biblical reason for why things are happening. Okay, don't, don't try to come up with some reason, well, you know, God said this or God said that or somebody's opinion about this or somebody's opinion about that. Go back to the Word. What does the Word say? The Word says our God is a healer. The no, nothing more needs to be said. We don't need to come up with some um, extra-biblical um, idea about why this is happening or not or on and on and on. What we need to do is stick very close to the Word of God. We can overemphasize sometimes one method over another. And, and so what I mean by that is we can, we can get caught up, but it's once again, and I, I'm very susceptible to this, is I can get caught up in patterns. I love patterns. I just, you know, like, so... A lot of times when I sit and meditate, when I just, like I'll be, I'll get a verse of Scripture and I'm just chewing on that. I'll, I'll actually, on my iPad, I have a, a, an app that does a 550-piece jigsaw puzzle that all of, they all turn. And so I just sit there and I just put shapes together and patterns together. Because that just kind of puts my brain into a place where I can think and, and so I can meditate. So I love formulas. 
I love, I love directions that say step one, step two, step three, and then it says, and if you get to three, it's finished. Because I am a very logical thinker. I've even talked to God about this. I've said, look, God, if, if I go to my light switch on the wall and I flick it up and the lights don't come on, I am going to now begin to methodically move through the electrical circuit until I find where the power has stopped. Because my expectation is, provided that the electric bill is paid for, that the lights should come on. So I, I just learned very early on in my life that there are certain things that you do. And so what happens is when you come into uh, the Word of God or into a situation where you're trying to bring healing and walk in that, the tendency is to look for a formula that's going to work every time. The problem is, there's, I, I looked up yesterday how many people, they're estimating planet Earth has 7.9 billion people on the planet. So there right now is 7.9 billion ways to heal people. And you say, what do you mean by that? Because healing is a function of relationship. It's through, the, it's so Jesus always, he didn't do a formula. Sometimes some things were similar, but he met the need of the person. And he, and he worked within the confines of who that individual is. And so, once again, that puts a little bit more responsibility on us, those of us that are trying to walk in healing and to be a dispenser of healing, that we would be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That we would listen to him and say, okay, God, what, what is it that you want me to say to this person? What do you want me to do here? You know, Smith Wigglesworth used to punch people in the stomach. All I could say is, you can try it. It better be God <laughs> because it's, it ain't going to go out. It ain't going to go real well for you. I mean, but, you know, Smith had like probably 30, 40 people healed of cancer, stomach cancer, by punching them in the stomach. And they said, well, how, why do you do this? He goes, you can't mess around with the devil. He says, you don't treat the devil like a puppy. You kick him out and you go beat him up. <laughs> And he says, and it just happens to be their flesh that's in the way. And I'm like, you know, that, that's why he was, the, you know, the modern-day father of faith, because I'm just not there yet. So I'm not going to be punching nobody. So don't, 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 don't. But the point is, my point is, we can get so isolated in a method or try to boil it down to a method that we really end up doing more harm than we do good. Um, or the other thing that we do is we can unwittingly bring condemnation to a person uh, when, uh, when things don't work uh, like we think they should, and then, in, then what we do is end up distorting God's Word and His will altogether. And so what we really need to do is be sensitive to Holy Spirit. We need to be humble in our, in our demeanor, and we need to be compassionate to those that we're ministering to. Can you say amen to that? Uh, the best thing that we can do is embrace what the Bible says. So now here's the thing I want to, I want to, I'm going to make a statement that's going to be a little provocative. Faith is not the only factor involved in healing because some people can have great faith, but because they lack understanding of their authority, they struggle with healing. 
So I want, I want to, this is where we're going to go today because I'm going to talk about the power and the authority in healing. So our text, and we're going to start this off with this springboard text. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 and 8, and I'm only reading those two verses of Scripture. I'm not reading the whole story just for expediency uh, today. But Jesus starts off, it says, And when he called the 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. And then in verse 8 it says, He says to them, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, Cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. Now that's a powerful, that's a very powerful portion of Scripture. Because Jesus, in my mind, and I'm going to show this to you throughout this study, this was not just isolated to this season. There is no doubt, because in my study, reading commentaries and just doing study on it, there's a lot of people that come back and they go, That was Jesus speaking to the disciples at that point. And that would be true if it weren't for the fact that then Jesus upped the ante when he tells all of us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And then later on in Mark 16, he tells us to go heal the sick, to cast out demons. If we eat any deadly thing, it won't hurt us. And so what we see is the very same thing he did with the disciples, he commissions in the Great Commission to you and I. Can you say amen to that? Now, as Christians, we know that we need God. We know that. There is no doubt or question about it. But we often fail to understand that God needs us. Now, I know this is always, this always gets somebody thinking, oh, wait a second, you're, you're thinking more highly of yourself than you ought. No, I'm really thinking about how awesome God really is. Okay, so God limited himself to need us. Okay, listen to me. God needs us. I know that seems arrogant, but if we're going to truly understand the power and authority given to us by Jesus through salvation, then we need to understand that God has placed enormous responsibility into our hands, okay? This is a little bit of foreshadowing to Sunday. Jesus' death on the cross completely destroyed the power of the devil, and his resurrection sealed it for eternity. Colossians 2.15 says, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Jesus solved the problem once and for all. Can you say amen? In fact, that idea is picked up in Hebrews chapter 9. It talks about the blood of bulls and goats, how they were not sufficient to remove sin. They could cover it for a season, but then the blood of Jesus, once and for all, he brought it into the throne room. For everyone, once and for all, it's done. Okay, so the death and resurrection of Jesus solved the problem. And as great as that victory on the cross is, it will never, listen to my words, it will never be carried out on earth apart from the church. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 through 15 says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him whom they've not heard? 
How shall they hear without a preacher? Or how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So listen, there is a commission, there is a co-mission. Jesus is on a mission. And he brought us in and says, now you're co-missioned. You are partners with me. I got the victory. I got the power. I got all the authority back. And now I'm going to give it to you. And you're going to be my hands and feet in the earth. Is that good so far? If we don't understand that we, that we know we, un, we understand we need him, but he needs us, that's why he's given us authority. And I'll even take this a step further, and I want you to notice something, and I'll challenge you to do this. No place in the New Testament are we told to ask God or Jesus to do something about Satan. Jesus has done everything he's going to do about the devil until he throws him into hell. The devil, okay. No place in the New Testament are we told to do anything about Jesus, or ask God or Jesus about Satan. He's done everything he's going to do. It's done. Jesus defeated the devil. Jesus won the victory. Jesus secured all authority that was stolen, and he has given it to us over Satan. So Luke chapter 10, verse 19, listen. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and all over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now listen to me. Unless the body of Christ rises up in their authority and stops the works of the devil, nothing will be done. Think about it this way. When the children of Israel were about to cross the Jordan River, God told Joshua, everywhere you put the sole of your feet, wherever your feet tread, I will give it to you. In essence, what he was saying is, I'm giving you the land, I'm fulfilling my promise to you, but you are, gonna go, you are going to have to possess it. You're going to have to go get it. And the way we possess our promise is one, by believing the word, two, receiving it by faith, and three, enforcing its presence in our lives by using the authority given to us through salvation. Are you hearing that? This, see, this, this yeah, the, 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 I, I don't even know how to say this without just seeming really dumb, but this is such, this is such a freshness to me. Amen. This is not something, these things, that the, this is not something that I have not read or studied before, but there is such a vivid awakening to this right now. Um, and, and. And I'm seeing it in ways that I haven't seen it before. I'm, you know, I'm seeing it in ways that relate even to my, the, the inner workings of my personality and how I think and how oftentimes the devil gets inside and, 
and, and wants to uh, uh, torment me with my own stuff, you know, and how, and see, I don't have to put up with that. That the, all of, see, see, one of the things that I, I, by nature, I'm a very cautious pers- person. I'm, I'm not one of those aggressive type people. You know, I'm not um, a very dominant. I did a personality test a while back, and, and it was on the DISC thing. And they, actually, it was a part of this. I'm part of a board of directors, and, or actually, it's a, 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 a board of advisors. And they had me go through this personality test. And what they found out about me, which I knew from various other times I've done it, but this was much more clear, is that my, the type of personality I am, I tend to be very methodical. I tend to be very thoughtful. And so I tend to fall on the perfectionist line. So what happens is when I go about to do a project, I'll take my time, I'll think it through, I'll get everything in order, then I'll start, and as we're going, I will check and recheck to make sure that we're doing it right. Now, there are other personalities, like my son Andrew. He is the exact, exact opposite of me. He is, a, he is a D personality. He's a very strong. He's driven. He's like, let's do it now. And, he, and, he, and I'm like, we didn't even bought the material. We'll just, we'll get it when we get it, you know. And, and so what happens is, so you start looking at results. So with him, what will happen is things will happen very quickly, very fast. And I end up irritating him because he feels like I'm dragging his feet, you know, I'm hanging on. No, I can't do it. Can't go. And I feel like he's about ready to shove me off a cliff. Okay. And so what happens, it gets, it gets a little dicey there. And so he gets stuff done fast, but it's got a lot of mistakes and there's a lot of things to correct. So it takes time to do that. I take a lot longer time to get done, but when it's done, it doesn't have any mistakes in it because we've checked and rechecked. The end result is we're done at the same time. Just two different styles. The problem is, is that we tend to allow the devil to come in, whether you're a driven personality or you're a compliant personality like me, and we allow the devil to use our our own makeup against us, and we call that insecurity. And so what insecurity does is it begins to lie to you about who you are. Okay, and it begins to tell you that you're no good and you can't do this and you're not equipped and you're not able and on and on and on. Well, let me ask you a question. Which one of us in this room is able to do anything that God's asked of us? We, none of us are able without Him. It's all about Him. It's about, all about Him moving in our lives. And so what I'm seeing in this, when I see this thing about, uh, 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 where's that verse at? He says, I've given you authority to trample on serpents. He's, he's already given me this ability to say no to the devil. When he comes in and goes, you know, you're, you're, not, really the right, you're not the right guy for the job at this church. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're just too wimpy and you're too cautious and, you know, you don't like taking risks. And, you know, everybody, you know, and everybody knows it. And they're all looking at you thinking, well, you're just, you know, whatever. Because that's what the devil does. He convinces you that everybody in the room is thinking what you're thinking. And no one in the room is thinking what you're thinking. And that's why we have to, I know this is, I'm way off healing right now, so this is a freebie. But this is why we have to stop the devil. We have to go, you're lying. Your lips are moving. You're lying. 
We have to push back. Can you say amen? So unless the body of Christ, I just got to figure out where I'm at, okay? Unless the body rises up, devil's going to go, nothing's done, okay? Children of Israel, okay? So we have to go possess it. We possess it by believing the word, receiving by faith, enforcing uh, its presence in our lives. You have to enforce it in your life and have to say, no, God, God is in me. I have the mind of Christ. I have the power of God. I have the authority of Christ in me. I have the word. I have his name. I have every promise given to any man in the book. Can you say amen? So look at our text again, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. The word for power uh, in this Greek word, in, the, in, in this verse is the Greek word excusa or E-X-O-U-S-I-A. It literally means power of choice, uh, liberty of doing as one pleases, the ability of strength which one is induded, uh, endued, I should say, induded, endued, uh, which he either possesses or exercises. It's the power of authority. So when he says, and when he gave his disciples power, he said he's actually giving them authority. You have authority over unclean spirits. You have authority to cast them out, and you have authority, you have authority to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He gave us authority, which means we have the right to command obedience, the right to enforce obedience, and the right to act officially. Are you catching that? What, what, when it says you have authority, so let, let's, let's look at this verse again. It says, when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them the right to command obedience, the right to enforce obedience, and the right to act officially to cast them out to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. That's what he gave us. And before we, can, before we can really go any further, we need to take a few minutes and explore this idea of authority a little deeper. The Bible says that as believers, we have been seated, that means past tense, with Christ in heavenly places. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. It also says that Christ is seated on a throne in heaven besides his father. Ephesians, listens, Ephesians 1, 18 through 23. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may be able to know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, 
And every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and pointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fulfills everything in every way. So what do we have? We are seated with him who is seated next to his father. All authority has been given to him. Resurrection power has been given to you and I, and we share in his authority. We are seated. You got to get your head around that one. We are seated with him in heavenly places, which becomes the basis of our authority. We rule and reign beside him. Now listen, here's where I'm going to go, and you stay with me. Rulers who reign from the throne do not engage their enemy directly in battle. In other words, they're not the boots on the ground. They simply make declaration from their seat of authority and their declarations are carried out. It is the fact that they occupy a seat of established authority that allows their spoken commands to be carried out. It is not the individual, but the seat they occupy that grants this authority. So look at Now, what I am not saying before we go any further is I'm not saying that we don't go out into the world, that we don't go and, and confront people and, and, and do those kinds of things. I am simply saying that the devil is already defeated. There is no longer a battle. It's won. The fight we must fight now is to establish that authority because he wants to believe he still has it. Or what he really wants to do is convince you he still has it. And what, he, and what we have as seated authority, we have the right to declare and to decree. Are you hearing that? I have that right by the authority vested in me. For example, look at Matthew 21, 18 through 21, and reading out of the New American Standard. It says, Now early in the morning when he was returning to the city, he became hungry, and seeing a lone fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it except leaves alone. And he said to it, No longer shall there be any fruit from you. And at once the fig tree withered. Seeing this, the disciples were amazed and asked, how did the fig tree wither all at once? And Jesus answered and said to them, truly I say to you. Who is he saying it to? You. If you have faith and not doubt, you will not only do what is done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast in the sea, it will happen. Okay. There's something very, very powerful about this spoken, decreed, declared authority. Once we understand how to occupy our seat of authority in heaven and how to rule from it, everything we do takes on a different dimension. The exercise of our authority, and I use the word exercise because it's like it is literally like a baby that's learning to walk. We, we have babies, right? We have grandbabies right now. So 
We have them at varying ages. So we have Oliver, who is the oldest, and he's doing well. He can jump and run and play, and he's all that. Why? Because he's learned how to act. He exercised, and he learned how to use what was given to him. Okay? He had muscles and legs and strength and everything he had. Now we have little Wyatt. Wyatt is two and a half months old about, and he has yet to learn how to crawl. But then we have little Owen, who has found his legs. And little Owen, I'm thinking, is a D personality. God bless you, Jason. And Courtney. And then we have little Titus. He's learned. So we've got this, these babies, we got these little grandchildren, and we could see the process of learning. Somehow, we, we take that, and when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to growing in the kingdom, everything, is, everything is, uh, in, in the Word of God is based on growing. Have you ever noticed that? It's a, the field's growing, it's producing fruit, and that's growing, this is growing. You know, you're, 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 a, you're a babe in Christ, and, you know, it's all about growth. But somehow, when we get to this, we go, I just don't get it. Why don't I have it? Because you are a 55-year-old baby still in the bassinet. Wow, did I say that? I, I just thought that. I didn't mean to have that come out. But in all, all honesty, what happened, and I, I'm the only one, I'm 55 here, so I'm talking about me. So the reality is, is because of the fact that what, because of whether it's fear or, or insecurities or misinformation or whatever it is, we just don't exercise our authority. And most of the time what happens, here's what happens. Most of the time you exercise your authority and you get the devil talking back. What happens when your children talk back? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. Wife, <laughs> you get a water bottle. <laughs> I'm going to pay for that. No, what we do is we go, wait a second. No, 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 no. I'm the boss here. There's no battle here. I already won. I won long before you were ever born. I'm, I'm, I own this house. And what I do goes. What I say goes. So what we do is what we, we, we the problem is, is we don't, we don't exercise our authority. We don't practice. And I know that the word practice throws a lot of people off. But there's been a lot of guys that have over the years testified that when they really begin to feel like the Lord was putting healing ministry on them, that they prayed for thou literally thousands of people before they saw any healing. Literally. I think it was John Wimber who was the founder of the Vineyard movement, he said it was over a thousand people before he even saw a headache healed. He said, I, I, he says, I was praying for people and they were dying. He said, I thought for a while I had a, a ministry of getting people to heaven the fast way. 
But that's where what, we have to, what has to happen is we have to be confident in the word. That look at, regardless of what I say, say or see, I know the word, and therefore I don't care. I don't care, but I'm not, I am not in charge of the result. I'm in charge of, I'm in charge of declaring the authority. Does that make sense? And so what we can't do, and even with your own body, you cannot go, well, I prayed, nothing happened, and then go on. That's what we're doing is literally taking the authority and giving it back. What we do is go, no, I don't care. I don't care what I feel like. I don't care. There's a very interesting, gosh, I'm taking too long. There's a very interesting verse of Scripture in, in uh, the book of Jonah, chapter 2, and I think it's about verse 6. It says, they that regard vain fallacies or vain idols forsake their own mercy. In other words, when you pay attention to symptoms, you undermine your faith. See, symptoms are not dictating what's going on. Now, look, I am not saying that we live in denial. If there's pain, there's pain. If you're sick, you're sick. I'm not saying that we go, oh, no, that, that's it, praise God. No, I'm saying before the foundation of the earth, Jesus died for me. That's Bible. And therefore, everything that came with salvation is mine now. And though I have not yet seen its manifestation, I believe that is a higher reality than the one I am currently experiencing. And so why I cannot, although I cannot explain why the manifestation has not yet changed, I still put my trust in this and not that. The Bible says this, let every man be a liar, but let God be true. See, and when we finally get to that point, it's when we come to that resolve, I don't care, I don't care what I see. I don't care, am I disappointed? Sure. I want to see people healed. I want to be healed. Am I disappointed? Sure I am, but I'm not giving up. I'm going to pray for the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one, knowing that everyone that goes by is that much closer to the one that's going to receive that grand miracle and we're going to be on our way. Can you say amen? I apologize, I'm way off my notes here. Acts 3, is that where I'm at? So a few people, so let me, so when you review the individual healing accounts recorded in the New Testament, you will not find once did Jesus or his disciples ask God the Father to heal a sick person or a demonized person. They didn't, they didn't, Father, would you heal them? They declared them healed. The example is Peter in Acts 3. Now Peter and John went up to the temple to the up to the temple at the hour of prayer of the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb uh, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. 
So he gave him his attention, expecting to receive something from him. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankles received, bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. So never, when you look, and when you look at the healings, Jesus, he touched people, he sent the word, he spoke, he did not ask God. Now, now having said that, is it wrong to ask God for healing? No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is healing is not only a matter of faith, it's a matter of authority. Now, we know that Jesus had authority over all sickness and disease, and he had the right to command sickness to leave and the devil had to obey. He had the right to enforce obedience and he had the right to act in the official capacity as the son of God. You need to know, so do you. Look at the story in Matthew 8, 5 through 10, and then verse 13. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And when Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word, speak a word, speak a word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those that follow, surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. This is one of the most important keys in healing. It is a matter of authority. And because, look at because the centurion understood how authority works, faith was able, his faith, which was his understanding of authority, was able to apprehend healing for his servant. No prayer was ever involved here. Now, one could say the man came to Jesus and that was a type of prayer. Yes, it was. So I'm not, I'm not saying, so I don't want you to think that I'm going, hey, you know, can all the prayer. I think prayer is, we need to pray and we do pray for people. But I would like to encourage you to add to your prayer the declaration and decree of healing. Send the word. Jesus spoke a word and the servant was healed. It was a simple transaction involving the faith of the centurion and the authority of Jesus. Jesus has given the same authority to you and I. In fact, it is a mandate. Look at Mark 16, 15 through 20. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those that believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Amen. They will recover. It's interesting, the one place that it does talk about prayer is in James, talking about the prayer of faith in the name of Jesus. It is the authority of the prayer in Jesus' name. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
Faith and authority are the two keys, are two keys, vital keys for healing, but there is a third key that we must understand, and that is power. Now listen to me. This is where I want to really help your understanding here and actually give you some balance, okay? Because everything we've talked about so far, you can, if you're not careful, you could get yourself way out on a limb and think you're something that you're not, okay? So listen to my statement. There's a difference between power and authority. Listen, no one has the power to heal. But we do have the power to exercise His authority. We have authority to use His power. So we have the power to exercise His authority. And His authority exercises His power. And there is power in the name of Jesus. And we have the authority to use that power to use that name. John 14, 12 says, The works that I shall do, He shall you. The works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do because I go to my Father. There was an expectation of Jesus that we would literally do the things he did and greater. As servants of God, we are ambassadors. Now, ambassadors have no power in their own. Now, here's where I want to, I'm going to probably just take this and just do this freestyle here. (laughs) So we're ambassadors. Now, in our own right, in our own humanity, we have no power. Now, in our humanity, we do have the power of life and death in our tongue. Okay? Okay, you can speak, and things will happen, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and we will be justified or condemned by the words of our mouth. Okay, so words have power. Okay, but in our own selves, in our own being, there is, I don't have the power to do anything for you. But the moment I am connected and working in conjunction with Jesus and Holy Spirit, because Holy Spirit is the author of power, I now am operating as an ambassador. As an ambassador, I now have all of the authority and power of the, of the country or of the one who has made me the ambassador. So I can act in the name of heaven. I can, I can call heaven to earth. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, just like it is in heaven. So as an ambassador, I have that ability. The, the thing is, is that sometimes we think, well, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something. So the, the, the thing is, sometimes we think we're the ones doing the healing. Yes, we are. But no, we're not. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to give you balance here. Because he tells us, go raise the dead. You, go heal the sick. Look at the words Jesus said to the disciples. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. You go do that. Once you are empowered and are given the authority of heaven, 
all things are possible to you. Okay, now I am not working on my own. I am not working in my own power. I'm not working in my own dynamic. I am working in the dynamic of heaven. And when I'm working in the dynamic of heaven, then I can heal the sick, cast out demons, cleanse the leper, raise the dead. Is that making sense? So what we have to understand is where the balance is, is that God has power and authority. He, Jesus got it all back from what Adam and Eve lost, got it all back, and then he says, I'm going to give it all back to you, but just remember, it's mine, and you, I'm giving you free reign to use it, so go practice, go use it, go develop it, make it strong in you. Be strong in the power of his might. It implies a practice. It implies you and I using it. Isn't that right? Okay. Now, I'm never doing this for my glory. I give him all the glory. He, in turn, shares the glory with me. Does that make sense? It's a wonderful transaction. When I understand my place in Christ, everything changes. The problem is, is I cannot be on this side of the equation where I think I'm all that in a bag of chips on my own, because I am not. Nor can I be on this side of the equation going, you know what, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm a rat, I'm no good, I'm lousy and don't matter. No, I'm something in Jesus. I'm a force to be reckoned with in Jesus. And I'm a child of God, I'm a son of God. And the power of heaven and earth are invested in me by, by virtue of salvation. I'm an heir, a joint heir with Christ. I'm part of the body of Christ. I'm a king and priest before him. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And he has given me his power and authority to do his work in the earth. It's kind of like this, and I'm, I'm going to kind of close it down because we're running out of time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sum it up like this. When my boys were little, actually Amy too, so when, when the kids were all little, uh, at Christmas time, we would give them money to go buy Kathy and I presents. And they would say, Dad, look what we got you. And I said, thanks, man. Thank you for, get, thank you for your generosity. Thank you for thinking about me. Did they go buy the present? Yep, they did. They put in the effort. They picked it out. They used their mind, and they thought of me, and they figured out what they thought I would want, and they blessed me. But the money that I gave them gave them the power and the authority to do it. Jesus has invested in every human being in this room the power and the authority to do his work in the earth. And you can go do it. I just don't forget. I, 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 I don't forget that it's his, it's his bill. His will, his, if it's his will, his bill. You know what I'm saying? And he gives me the ability to do it. 
And I get to share in that with him. He's not stingy. He's a good dad. He wants me to share in his glory. That's why sin caused me to fall short of the glory. (laughs) For all have sinned and fall short of the glory. What glory? God's glory. We were meant to be vessels of the glory of God. And sin makes me fall short of that glory. But now that sin has had its self-dealt with through righteousness in Christ, and now I'm the righteousness of Christ and the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, I get to share in His glory. Amen. It's His glory. We're, not, we're, we're under no illusion. This is not about me. I get to share in it, though. I get to walk in it. I get to be a part of it. I get to enjoy its benefit, just like my children got to enjoy Christmas and feel generous to their dad. That's a good feeling. And God's a good dad. Can you say amen? Amen. Any questions? Any comments? Any true confessions? <laughs> I, I, this kind of went a little different than I wanted, but I was excited about it. Any questions? Anything? Yes, sir. Yes. So did he really yes. It's true. And and what Harry's saying is so much what he was saying is if you didn't hear that online or if you didn't hear it in here, he's just saying when, when I gave my children the money, in reality is the moment I gave it to them it became theirs. Okay, and then they, then in fact, they did use it, and so they used their money. Um, and so when God gives us something, it becomes ours, and that's why we have the responsibility to do His will with it. Because the, the reality is, church, one of the th- I think one of the things that, I, I think I was telling Rosemary this a while back, I was thinking about the power of God. God wants to give, God wants to release. God, God had kind of given me an uh, illustration a while back. I was, I was praying and I was coming home from a Jacob's Ladder meeting and, and I was trying to figure out how to communicate to people why we need to have like training and that kind of thing to step into places of ministry. And I said, God, I, you know, the, a lot of these people, they just, you know, they come in, they're just brand new and they just want to dive into the deep end. And I said, I just don't know how to explain it to him, explain to them that leadership, that this responsibility, there's real power in it. And if you don't have the ballast in your boat, it will, it'll tip, you'll wreck your boat for you. Okay. And so I, I, I couldn't figure out how to communicate it. And so God showed, gave me an illustration. And he says, imagine Oliver, he was using Oliver as an example. He says, imagine you giving him a squirt gun and then you telling him, hey, go squirt your dad. And he goes over and he runs up to his dad and he's squirting, squirting. So he's got a gun and he knows how to pull the trigger. And he's six. See, well, at that time he was only six. But I think actually at the time he was only five. He said, now imagine giving him the, your three fifty seven Magnum. You know he can pull the trigger. But just because he can pull the trigger, should he have that gun? No, because he does not understand the responsibility 
of the power that he holds in his hand. And see, church, sometimes the reason why we've got to grow and exercise is because it's not so much just about getting stronger, but it's about learning the power and the authority in our hand and how to use it without hurting ourselves or someone else. Does that make sense? That's why I, 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 would, I would encourage all of you to practice. You say, well, how do you practice? Well, in healing, every time somebody says to you, I don't feel good, say, do you mind if I pray for you? And pray. Don't worry about results. Results will take care of themselves. Just pray and make a declaration. Say, I declare you healed in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you that your healing power is flowing right now. And do that every time. Every time. And watch what God will do. You will grow in that because there will be nuances and there will be things that will begin to work in you. And, I, and, that's, and, and to be honest with you, that's kind of what I'm sensing in, is happening in me. I don't quite understand everything, but I'm sensing something different. And I, I, I guess what I'm sensing is that, that, that thing, it's growing. It's, it's starting to take, take, take root. So one last question. Anybody else got a question? That was good. Somebody else? Sure, go ahead. Go for it. Yes. And that we're like what you were saying at the very beginning, that we don't know everything. There are some things that are a mystery, but we need to be teachable and allow God to use his leaders and people who are of good with reputable stewards of those gifts to be our mentors and to be people that we can partner with so that we are not Yes, absolutely. If you didn't hear that, she was talking about being teachable and, and, and in some ways being humble and allowing ourselves to come under the submission of a leader. You know, all through the Word of God, the, 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 the idea of authority and leadership and headship is all through the... And that's something that's being lost in the church today. And, and part of it is because there has been abuses of it. People have tried to exercise authority and and leadership or headship in, in places that they, they ought not to, to, to exercise it, and they, they become domineering, they become abusive. And, but, but that does not um, uh, take away from the reality and the power of being submitted in authority. And, and that's where, you know, we're seeing that more and more, and that's why I think the story of the centurion is so powerful. This is a guy, this is a Roman centurion. He was sympathetic to the Jewish uh, uh, cause because he had actually in one other gospel it says that he built a temple he built a synagogue for him and so he was he was he was there but the reality is is that is that he he understood his place and when he understood his place now power was able to flow amen you know what we're running a little bit late so i'm gonna just close it down let's close in a word of prayer and we'll let you guys get out of here father we thank you lord for this time and lord we just give you glory and we give you honor, and Father, we thank you for this truth and this revelation, and Lord, help us, God, and we pray for next week, God. We just set the platform for next, uh, next Wednesday, Father, that healing power, God, on that night, God, would flow, that your presence would be with us to heal those that are sick, and Father, we give you the glory for it in Jesus' name, amen.
God bless you. You're free to go. Have a great, great night. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.